You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. So we'll turn to scripture now. I invite you to find Psalm 65. Greg Lambach is going to be our reader. And this psalm is 13 verses long, and that made sense to us that we could read the whole thing. So follow along, Psalm 65. Thanks, Greg. Praise away to our God in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you, all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, and having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it, you enrich it abundantly, The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. All right, thanks again, Greg. Well, Esther and I were finally able to use a gift that we had been given back in October of 2022. The leadership team of the Y Church had given us a night stay at a bed and breakfast in Red Wing. And so we were finally able to use that and get down there from Friday to Saturday. And for dinner on Saturday, we went to a place in downtown Red Wing called Staghead. Staghead. And it felt to me like a fitting reminder of our series in November as the deer. Because we walked in, and of course, then the main fixture in the restaurant was this staghead, this buck mounted on the wall, and this time of year was wearing a wreath in his antlers. It was a great little restaurant, and Esther and I had the chance just to talk and enjoy a leisurely meal. And one of the things that we talked about probably the most was she asked this question. She said, let's name one thing about each of our children that we really treasure, really enjoy. So that was the task. As parents who are in the trenches of child-rearing years, that was a really life-giving conversation. Uh, To get our heads above the clouds and to think big picture and call out the good things that the Lord is doing right under our noses. So I don't know what special conversation starter you might like to take home with you, but it could be a great way to close the year. And this table question was an attempt to move us in that direction. Just to take a few minutes today, or maybe it'll be tomorrow on the holiday, to see the big picture, to look back, to look forward. As our psalm said just a moment ago, where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Psalm 65. 
I'm so thankful that Andrew found this psalm for us. I had asked Andrew sometime in the fall if he would like to come up with our Advent and Christmas message series. And so that is what led us to this series, Songs of Advent. Every Sunday in December, we had a different Christmas song and then attached to a scripture passage. Last week, Christmas Eve on Sunday, we had the song Silent Night, and we read from Luke chapter 2. And today we finish out this series with a song for the new year and Psalm 65. So I'd like to begin there, the psalm that Andrew selected for us. Psalm 65 is one of the psalms of David. It was written to be sung. You can see that over the top of the psalm. And it sings, I think I would sum it up this way, it sings of two things. It sings of God's praiseworthiness and his creation. The creation part fills the latter half of the psalm. It begins with the mountains in verse 6 and then spans across, names all these different places and locations over hill and over dale and then it ends in verse 13 with the valleys. It is rich descriptive language that as I read this psalm again and again, it took me to some of the literary classics where you have authors who are just so adept at describing nature. I thought of Grapes of Wrath by Steinbeck or Jack London's Call of the Wild or Stephen Crane's Red Badge of Courage. That kind of descriptive language. And I was reminded, we live in a beautiful place, handcrafted by the Lord. David sees it. He sees God's handiwork. And he seems to almost, in this psalm, beckon us to spend time outdoors in God's creation. I've never known someone who said that they spent too much time outdoors. In our modern digital indoor world, it is just good to get outside. The Apostle Paul says at the beginning of his letter to the Romans, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what was made so that people are without excuse. I think that's an amazing passage because it says that the testimony of creation is so compelling that no person on earth should ever reasonably conclude there is no God. You can see his power. You can see that God exists. And in this psalm, we could go on at length about the beauty of creation. But instead, just on this first note, I thought what I'd do is just encourage you to get outside and experience these words. Maybe it'll be today, maybe it's tomorrow. On the holiday, you'll have a chance to get outside, or if that's not possible, just to sit at the window in your living room and see what's out there. What I'd really like to emphasize in the psalm is actually what it begins with in verses 1 through 5. It begins with praise. Verse 1 says, Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. The literal translation seems to suggest there is silence In the waiting. That's why the NASB says, There will be silence before you and praise in Zion. The Amplified Version brings it all together like this. It says, To you belongs silence and it bursts into praise. Derek Kidner, the Old Testament scholar, says this. This was a wonderful quote this week. It may sometimes be the height of worship to fall silent 
before God in awe at his presence and in submission to his will. What comes to mind for you when you first hear the word worship? For many of us, I think it's this kind of setting. You hear worship and you think that's when we come together in the gym at the Y and there's singing, time in scripture, there's prayer. We're moving through the elements of our worship service. And it's often, even as now this moment is, filled with our voices. That's usually the case. But let us not forget silence is what this psalm says. Whether it's here in corporate worship, we can find room for silence and maybe should do that more often. Or especially at home in times of personal worship. That could be during your prayer time. Or it could be out on a walk. Or resting on the couch maybe this afternoon. I hope that you know and experience what Kidner describes. That there are moments in your week where you fall silent before God in awe at his presence, or in submission to his will. That's how the psalm begins. I wrote next to verse 1 in the margin, ascribe praise with an exclamation point. Ascribe praise. What the psalm does next is tell us why God is so praiseworthy. That's verses 2 through 5. David has, as he writes this, specific qualities, specific examples about God that he's writing down. So I put them into kind of bullet points. These are things that David is thinking and naming as he ascribes praise to God. Here's the list. God answers prayer. He welcomes all people to come. He forgives our sins, chooses us, brings us near, fills us with good things, answers with awesome, righteous deeds. He saves us and is the hope of the whole earth. If we read verses 2 through 5, these are the things that you would see. That is nine reasons that David puts down. Now, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's what he's calling to mind in this moment as he writes. For you and I, I think it's a reminder for us to be specific in our praise. Just as David answered the question, we can answer the question, Why is God praiseworthy? You know, I could say, praise the Lord, but now why am I prompted to say that? What am I calling to mind today on December 31st of 2023? I want to demonstrate this by sharing a story with you about something that happened this week, a testimony, you might call it, about how praiseworthy God is. I shared it with some of our leaders via email and This should just be shared with the whole congregation. It's a stunning story. I was back in the office this week here at the Y. Our church offices are here, and a letter arrived in the mail. Just a handwritten envelope said the Y Church had our address on it. So I opened it up, and inside was a note card. I brought that up here with me. A simple little note card, and on this note card it says... From Dave Johnson and River of Life, Merry Christmas and God bless. Enclosed with this little handwritten note was a check for $2,500 to the Y Church. What a surprising, generous gift. I've not ever quite seen something like that. And first of all, I was thankful. I was also a little confused because the check 
was not from River of Life, but it had another couple's name on it. So I called Pastor Dave from River of Life, first to personally thank him for this very special gift from one church to another, but also to say, is there somebody else that we should be thanking, this couple on the check? And Dave then on the phone told me how this gift came to be. We were at our Elk River ministerial meeting. It's a mouthful to say, but just our pastors and clergy, we get together once a month. We were together in November. We closed our meeting by sharing prayer requests, personal prayer requests, prayer requests for your church and ministry, and praying for one another. And this is a standard part of our monthly meetings. We're in this pattern. This is one of the main reasons we have a ministerial association is to pray for each other. And apparently, I don't remember this, but Dave reminded me on the phone call, I shared a prayer request about the Y Church being in a tough financial spot and our desire to grow in our understanding of biblical giving. So Dave told me after the meeting, later in in the month of November, he was praying, just in his personal prayer time, he was praying for this request, praying for us. And it was like God nudged him with this idea that River of Life should give a financial gift to the Y Church. And he told me that this prompting from the Lord, the Holy Spirit was persistent in this until he finally decided to act on it. So he called a couple from the church, from River of Life, who he knows to be generous in their giving. And he asked this couple if they would consider In December, instead of giving a year-end gift, something they typically did, to River of Life, if they would give it entirely to the Y Church. So the couple thought and prayed about Pastor Dave's idea. They didn't say yes on the spot. They contacted him later and said they loved the idea and the check was in the mail. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it made me jump up in my office and just say, Praise the Lord in my stoic Norwegian way, of course. But I was so excited to hear this story. I mean, to get the gift and then hear the story. God's wonderful provision and a wonderful example that I think inspires all of us. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Encourage me so much. And it's just one, I'm telling you, there's one story to say this is one reason I'm naming today about why the Lord is praiseworthy. So you have a couple assignments so far, as, and maybe I think I'm done. So two assignments connected to this message. The first is to get outside into God's creation or sit at the window, if that's a better option for you, and see what's out there. Look at the beauty of God's handiwork. And secondly, to name a few reasons why God is praiseworthy. I told you one story, one example. David in the psalm gives us, Nine reasons. You can pick your number, but I encourage you to be specific. And if you have others in your household, make this a group activity. You could do this. You could have this conversation over dinner tonight. And it would be a great way to cap off the year. What I want to do now in the second half of our time is shift to our song for today, which is our message title, By Gracious Powers. Now, all the songs that we sang during Advent... And then last week we had Silent Night for Christmas Eve. You know, they're all very familiar to us. They're American Christmas carols. But this one, by gracious powers, I'm guessing is new to just about all of us. When Andrew and I were planning for this Sunday, 
I told him I had this idea about a New Year's song that is very well known in Germany and was written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So I lived in Germany in my early 20s for several years. And every year at New Year's, you hear this song in Germany. It's almost like their equivalent of Auld Lang Syne. And in German, it's called, here's the title, Von guten Mächten wunderbar geborgen. The Germans are not fond of short titles, apparently. It has been translated in English. It's not as well known here, but it's known under the title, By Gracious Powers. Because it's unknown to us, I thought we won't sing it today, but I'd like to do something instead. There is a link that we're going to share with the congregation that's from an artist named Sarah Kaiser. She's in Berlin, in Germany. It's a beautiful rendition of this song, sung in the original, all subtitled in English. And so we'll share it a few different places. If you have access to our Facebook live stream, we're going to drop it in there now during the service. We'll also post it separately to our social media channels. And I'm going to send out a New Year's e-bulletin after worship with the link. So hopefully via one of those avenues, you'll find it and click on it and watch. It's about three minutes long. But it's a beautiful rendition of this song. In our time remaining, what I'd like to do is we're going to look at some of the words from the song, from the English translation, and I want to share with you about the man who wrote them, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you've never read anything by Bonhoeffer or learned about his life, I would encourage you to put that on your reading list for the new year. You could pick up a biography. They also have short biographies. There are brief ones about him that are very good. You could listen to an audio book. You could read one of his books. Maybe two of the best-known ones would be a book called Life Together. If you're in a Y group, Life Together would be extremely helpful. Life Together is considered one of the very best books ever written about Christian community. Another really good one would be The Cost of Discipleship. But let me tell you a little bit about him. That's for your reading list. But let's talk just a little bit about his life. Bonhoeffer was a German Christian who was alive during the time when Hitler rose to power. He was raised in a Christian family. Like Lenin, he was baptized into Christ by his parents. And they raised him up to know and follow Jesus, to know the Bible and to seek God's will as the highest priority for his life. He had a twin sister named Zabina and several other brothers and sisters. And you could see how God's calling was on each of these kids in different fields of study. And so someone into sciences and someone into other fields. And Dietrich, as a young man, discerned that God's call for him was to prepare for ministry as a pastor, to study theology and to head into ministry. And as this is happening in these formative years of education in Dietrich's life, Hitler is gaining control, political control of Germany. The dark clouds of the Holocaust are beginning to take shape. And it's during that time that Bonhoeffer, who was so intelligent, landed a professorship in New York City. So Hitler's coming to power. Bonhoeffer has a ticket to the United States. He lands in New York. It's just continuing to grow as one of the leading theologians of his time. And while he's in America, he has the opportunity to stay. 
And yet in the back of his mind, he's starting to wonder if God may not be calling him back to Germany. He's safe and sound in New York, but, and his friends are begging him to stay. You know, why would you go back to Germany? You got out. Stay here. But Bonhoeffer wasn't so sure. So he's praying about this, and he's seeking God's direction when one day he receives a clear word from the Lord. I'm so excited to share this with you because have you noticed in the past weeks we've been giving a gift, and it's available again today. The clear word to Bonhoeffer came through the daily text, the same devotional book that we are giving to every household here at the Y Church. So if you haven't picked yours up, they're over at the connections table. And so he's discerning this in prayer. Bonhoeffer, his entire life, would read the daily text as part of his devotional time. He would often journal about what he was reading. And he reads one day in New York, in the daily text, 2 Timothy 4.21. It's kind of an obscure text. It's Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, Do your best to come before winter. And Bonhoeffer reads this, and he knows that God is using this word to answer his question. And he returns to Germany. In Germany, the state-sponsored church was closing a blind eye to Hitler. It really was capitulating to what was going on. But Bonhoeffer and other brave believers refused. So he became a leader in what became the underground church. They called it the Confessing Church. And he started an underground seminary training other pastors. That's what led to the book that I recommended called Life Together. And as whispers and rumors started to build about Jews being taken to places called concentration camps, Bonhoeffer became an active part of the resistance movement. By 1940, he was forbidden to speak in public and had to regularly report to the police. In 1941, he was such a powerful writer, they forbid him to be published or to write any books. In January of 1943, he became engaged. His fiancée was named Maria von Wedemeyer. But four months later, four months after their engagement, he was imprisoned in Berlin. And it's from a Gestapo prison in Berlin, in December of 1944, that we have this song that I'm sharing with you today. He wrote these words in the very last letter he wrote to his fiancée, Maria. He wrote it as a poem. And I want you to listen. There's four verses. He wrote six. I'm just going to share four verses he wrote. Listen as he reflects from prison on God's presence with him. By gracious powers so faithfully protected, so quietly, so wonderfully near, I'll live each day in hope with you beside me and go with you through every coming year. Yet is this heart by its old foe tormented? Still evil days bring burdens hard to bear. O give our frightened souls the sure salvation for which, O oh Lord, you taught us to prepare. I want to pause there. This is the second verse. And just acknowledge that there are some of us who read this and are feeling exactly what Bonhoeffer describes. That might be you this morning, for one reason or another. 
evil days that are hard to bear, heavy burdens. And yet Bonhoeffer, 20 months into a Nazi prison, can say, Lord, give our frightened souls, give my frightened soul the sure salvation for which you taught us to prepare. And I'm just wondering, who, who needed to discover this song today? Because it gives you voice. Bonhoeffer continues, And when this cup you give is filled to brimming, with bitter suffering hard to understand, we take it thankfully and without trembling, out of so good and so beloved a hand. It's one thing to read these lines from verse 3 out of context. It's another thing to know that they were penned by a 30-something with a bright future, engaged to be married, and yet going on two years of prison. Who is needing to hear this? Who, for instance, has received a difficult diagnosis that you're carrying with you into 2024? Who is facing a fair amount of uncertainty in some area of your life? To whom has something happened unfairly? To be able to say what Bonhoeffer says takes a measure of maturity in your faith. To say, Lord, I don't understand your will. This bitter cup that I've been given, but I will take it anyway. Out of your good and loving hand. Bonhoeffer concludes with what is the most well-known of the verses. He says, by gracious powers, that means by God's gracious power, so wonderfully sheltered and confidently waiting, come what may. We know that God is with us night and morning and never fails to greet us each new day. Four months after he wrote these words, on April 9th, 1945, Bonhoeffer was hanged at Flossenburg Concentration Camp just days before it was liberated by the 2nd U.S. Cavalry. At dawn, On April 9th, Bonhoeffer was marched to the gallows. He was stripped of all of his clothes, and a noose was put around his neck. The executioner said to him, Well, Bonhoeffer, I guess this is the end. To which Bonhoeffer said, these are his last words, This is the end, but for me, it is the beginning. I've read those words a million times. It's just, what a stunning example. It is the end. But for me, it is the beginning of life. I don't know how you felt about this past year, especially today on this last day of 2023. It's a time to think about these things. Do you have this kind of perspective heading into a new year? A kind of perspective that sets your eyes on eternity that has an unwavering trust and confidence, come what may, that the Lord is good, that his love is faithful and will never depart from you, 
and that it will be your greatest treasure in this life to live in the center of his will. That's what I pray for me. That's what I pray for you. Let's bow our heads and seek him together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We ascribe praise to you, Lord, especially on this last day of the year. We read these words, Lord, with Greg this morning. You crown the year with your bounty. And your wagon carts overflow with abundance. Yes, Lord, you have been so good to us. Even as we've endured hardship, your way with us is good and you give in abundance. Would you give us courage, wisdom, and strength as we enter a new year? Lord, may we be faithful. May we grow in faith. And may your Holy Spirit lead us on. We trust and pray. In the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.